Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in a series entitled One Word. One Word, and I think I left my markers up there. There we go. We've been in a series entitled One Word. Thank you, Bill. And uh, just understanding how one word from God could have the power to change every aspect of your life. We don't need the scriptures quite yet, guys. One word from God. And so we talked about how to get that one word two weeks ago. And then last week I shared with you what I believe the word for triumph is for this year. And that word is grow. The word is grow. Um, And so if you haven't caught up on either one of those messages, I really want to encourage you, get on our podcast or get on our app, get on our website, one of the three, and get those messages downloaded. Uh, First off, I believe that God has a word for you in your life. And secondly, I want you to grab a hold of the word that he's spoken over this church and what he wants to do for you and I. And that word is grow. We understand this, this, God has a promised land ready for us, but we don't have it yet because we're not ready for it. The land is waiting us. The promise is waiting uh, for us. We're not ready. We have to grow into it. God said, I'm not going to give it to you all in one year. You have to increase before you can take a hold of it. So we have to grow. Four instructions for getting to the place that God has for us, that he has prepared for us. Number one, number one is that we have to pay close attention. Pay close attention. Number two is that we fully obey him. Fully obey him. Number three, Guys, if you put it on the screens with me, I'd thank you. Uh, let God lead. Let God lead. So often we get excited, we get a word from God, and we jump out there, and we're doing what we want to do, and God's saying, wait, the timing wasn't right yet. Right thing, wrong timing can still end up, and we're going, well, God, what did I do wrong? He said, well, I'm not mad at you. You just got out of my timing. So pay close attention, fully obey him, let God lead, and then four, eliminate all idols. Remember this. Whatever idols you allow to remain in your life, you'll end up worshiping. Um, Whatever idols. You don't have to put me on the screen. screen. I cannot say screen or scriptures today. (laughs) What is going on? Uh, You don't have to put me on quite yet, guys, just when we were on the the whiteboard. Um, So so growth is intentional. It takes commitment. It takes purpose. Uh, It takes time to grow. And so I, I just really feel like God's encouraging us and, and, and uh, mandating for us to grow in our relationships, grow in our courage, grow in our finances, grow in our businesses, um, grow in our leadership. We're starting a new a leadership class. Uh, it'll be four-week training that, that I'll be doing on Wednesday nights. It starts this Wednesday at 6.30. If you haven't signed up yet, please make sure you sign up in the lobby or the, at the connection desk so we can prepare for you. Uh, we, we're going to be meeting at the Holiday Inn on Walden Road going to be a great time. Our team's looking forward to serving you there. And we're going to talk leadership. We're, we're going to talk real. We're going to talk leadership. And uh, I'm going to say some real honest things uh, that some of you may like and some of you may not like. But if we're going to grow, sometimes it takes some friction to grow. All right. And so we're going to talk about it. And uh, I believe that, that this year you're going to grow in your influence. Uh, John Maxwell said that influence is the measurement of leadership. Nothing more, nothing less. Influence. And so who are you influencing? God's called you to influence. You are his ambassador. What do ambassadors do? They, they, they influence another nation for the cause of what's, and they represent the cause of one nation and another nation. And we are in a world that is a dark world, and God has called you to influence the world around you. Now, that happens in very practical ways, but it's also a spiritual thing that is going on. You're an influencer. Therefore, you are a leader. 
So join us this week. Uh, there'll be the next four Wednesdays. And we start this Wednesday night. Make sure you sign up in the lobby. One of my favorite scriptures is Luke chapter 2, verse 52. You, you often hear me quote it uh, when we are, are, are blessing our kids, when we're um, dedicating our kids to the Lord. And, and the Bible says that Jesus grew, note the word grow there, or grew. He grew in wisdom and in stature, favor with God and favor with man. Four areas of his life that Jesus grew. But if you look at these and you break down what he's talking about, you will recognize that he actually was growing. They, they represent all areas of his life. First of all, wisdom. Wisdom here is referring to his knowledge, his experience, and his wisdom. The things we learn in. He grew in his understanding of how the world works and what he's supposed to be doing and how to read, how to write, uh, how, how to, how, how to uh, he grew in his wisdom of being a carpenter. He, he grew in wisdom. Secondly, he grew in stature. This is referring to his physical body. He physically grew. Thirdly, he grew in favor with God. This is his walk with God, his relationship with God. He grew in his understanding of Scripture. He, he grew in his understanding of God's purpose on his life and what he had for him. And then fourthly, he grew in favor with men. And this is how he dealt with people. This is, uh, this is uh, he, he, and, and how people responded to him. Maybe even you might even call it his leadership, how he influenced people. So every aspect of his life, Jesus grew. But here's what we have to know. Growth doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't say that in one moment, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God, and favor with man, and then the very next verse, the very next day, suddenly he's uh, changing the world. No, there's a period of time where Jesus was growing. In fact, Jesus spent 30 years growing and three years doing the ministry that he grew for. Because growth doesn't happen overnight. We, we think that, that we, we can uh, just all of a sudden decide, I'm going to grow today, and then tomorrow live out the dream that God has planned for us and do everything he's planned for us to do and accomplish every purpose. That's not the case. Jesus, Jesus spent 30 years preparing and three years ministering. But how many, many of us, if we were honest, would say, well, I've actually spent you know, three months preparing and hoping that I could do ministry for 30 years or hoping I could live in my promise for 30 years. And God's saying, no, you got to spend more time preparing. If it's true for Jesus, you know it's true for us. Uh, the second thing about growth is it's hard to see close up. Because it takes a long time to see, it's hard to recognize it when you're right up next to it. Think about your kids. Your kids are growing. They're getting taller. Uh, they're getting stronger. They're getting more muscle. They're, they're communicating better. They're, they're learning. They're developing. They're maturing. But as parents, we don't see it. Why? Because we're with them every day. And it's happening right underneath our noses, and we don't even see it happening. And then grandparents come in town, and they say, my goodness, look how much that baby has grown. And you go, really? I didn't see it. And about that time, you look down at their pants, and they're, going, they're, they're, they're high waters, right? And he goes, oh, I guess he has been growing. I just didn't notice it. Why? Because it was happening a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time. Growth takes a long time to happen. And, but if you were to step away and then step back in, you could see it. But when we're in the middle of it, sometimes we get frustrated with ourselves, frustrated with the people around us because they're not growing. And yet they are. We just don't see it because growth doesn't happen 
overnight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. If you're in Ephesians 4, say amen. Interesting verses here. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Five gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So we are trying to mature. What's another word for growing? It's maturing. So God gave these five gifts to the church so that we can all grow or mature. But let's keep reading here. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Right? So here we go. Same illustration. Kids, children versus adults. We won't be tossed and blown about, the wind, uh, blown about by the wind of every new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. So as you grow in your walk with God, as you grow in your knowledge of the world, how many of you have played a trick on a kid, on a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old that you know good and well wouldn't work on an adult? Pastor Lindsay and I had, uh, we, we celebrated 15 years of marriage this week. And uh, yeah. And so we, we wanted, we've been, I've told you this before, we've, we wanted to go to Hawaii for our 15th anniversary. That's been the plan all along since before we were married. For 15 years, we, were gonna want, we wanted to go to Hawaii. The problem is we didn't have a Hawaii budget. Um, but we ended up going to Vegas for a few days, had a great time. And one of the things we love to do is we love to go watch magicians or illusionists. It just, it just I love, I mean, we're on like on the front row. I'm like, I'm going to figure this guy out. But what's amazing is that, that these guys are able to trick you and I. They're, they're, they're not magic. It's sleight of hand and it's all kinds of things. But they're able to trick us even as adults with things. But with a, when you were a kid, anything could trick you. Your parents could convince you of anything, right? What, what was the one? Eat your carrots because it's going to make your eyes sparkle like a princess, Kennedy. You're still convinced? Here's what, here's, this is what Paul's saying, or, or uh, he, he's saying to the church of, of, of uh, Ephesus, listen guys, you have to understand, as a child, certain things will trick you, but if we can grow in our understanding and our walk with God, then you know what? People that come in and try to deceive us and trick us, it won't work on you because you've matured past it. Let's keep reading. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. How many ways are we growing? Every way. Another version says, in every aspect of your life. So here's the thing. We often look at discipleship and we look at growth and we relate it specifically to, well, do I know more scriptures? But here is the truth. What is going on today? Here's the truth about discipleship as it relates to Jesus. True discipleship is about learning how to live like Jesus lived in every aspect of his life. So discipleship and, and learning to live the way Jesus lived does not exclude your finances, 
managing money the way Jesus and the Word of God teach us because, well, that's not very spiritual. No, it includes finances because God wants us to grow like Christ in every way, every aspect of our life. It includes uh, your routines. It includes the way you pray. It includes the way you manage your family. It includes the way you treat your husband and your wife. It includes the way you treat your boss or those under you. Every aspect of your life, God wants you to grow in. Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And then here's what I love about, here's what, I love about what God has done. As we all, all individually grow, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's one of the beautiful things about God. When you're growing, and you're growing, and you're growing, and you're doing your part, and you're doing your part, and you're growing, and you're doing your part, as we all work together, not only do we individually grow, but collectively, collectively we grow as a body of believers. There are parts of my life that cannot grow unless you grow. And there are parts of your life that cannot grow unless I grow. As your pastor, one of my primary responsibilities, and if you note here, he said I gave five gifts to the church. I actually operate in all five of these gifts. Um, if you, if you, the old timers would call it the five-fold gifting, the five-fold ministry anointing. Uh, I happen to operate in all five. I don't always operate in all five, but I can operate in all five. And if you understand them, and I'll take you through them really quickly, but if you understand them all, you will, have, you will see me at different times in different sermons uh, or different moments of my life operate in any one of the five. The first is the apostle. The apostle is the covering. Uh, it's, the, it's the headship uh, over the ministry. And then there is the prophet. Uh, if you can imagine the prophet points the way. The prophet points into the future, sees something. So uh, part of this year is I'm pointing into the future, and I'm seeing things in your life and mine and in this church that you may not even see yet. That is the prophetic side of my, my gifting and my calling. Uh, thirdly, is the evangelist. This is the part of me that you hear when you hear me talking about reaching the lost, when you hear me encouraging you to go out and see someone about Jesus. What does an evangelist do? An evangelist gathers. An evangelist gathers the lost. And then fourthly is my pastoral anointing or, or the, the gift of a pastor. This is the shepherd part of me. Uh, or the, the shepherd part of a gifting that, that keeps the sheep together. It's, it's the herder. It, it keeps them together, cares for the sheep. And then the fifth one is teaching. Now, oftentimes you will hear me on a Sunday morning because our pastor and teacher gifts, um, you can relate them to the five fingers on your hand, apostle being the thumb that covers, uh, prophet being the, the pointer finger that points the way, middle finger has the strength and it gathers, it reaches out and it gathers. And then you have your your pastoral gifting and your teaching gifting, which teach the Word of God. These two happen, if you notice, whatever one does, the other one tends to want to do, because a pastor's gifting and a teaching gifting tend to go together. Uh, in fact, some versions of them com combine them into one, but, but they reach out and they help us hold because they teach and they take care of things. So 
You actually see these gifts function uh, throughout the church, not just in me, but you see different people functioning different, in different gifts. All these gifts, all these people were given to the church that you and I might, first of all, grow individually, and secondly, secondly that we might grow collectively. So when, you, when I'm operating in these gifts in your life, if I don't grow in one of these gifts, there are areas of your life that may not grow either. If you don't grow, I'm dependent upon you too. That there are areas in my life that don't grow. Because we're all in this together. God gave gifts to the church that we might grow. You okay this morning? Amen. Every aspect of your life. Go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. Again, we're going to see this illustration that Paul often pointed to in his writings. When I was a child... I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Children or teenagers that refuse to grow up end up with their life in a whole lot of mess. How many of you have seen a teenager that just refused to grow up? And you look up 10 years later and their life has gone nowhere. It's, it's one mistake after another. They can't work it out. They can't get it figured out. They can't get any traction in their life. They don't know why. But you from the outside look at them and go, it's because you haven't grown up. Same thing happens in the church. People come in. We get saved. We give our life to Jesus. And we go through a wonderful honeymoon phase and everything's great. But then the real work of sanctification and discipleship begins. And some people stop. Maybe they go a couple of steps and they stop. Maybe they go a couple of years and they stop. But suddenly, instead of growing, they've stopped growing and they haven't put away childish things. So they're dealing with the same problems they used to rather than growing through them. My dad says it like this. Some problems don't go away. They grow away. Problems don't just go away. They grow away. But if we stop and we continue to act like a child, and then we're going to wonder why we're still dealing with child problems. Now, you know that as a child, there were some wonderful things about the simplicity and the innocence of life that were very enjoyable. And as an adult, you look back on them and go, do you remember when things were so simple? And that looks, in, that looks enticing. But then you think about all the rest of what it was like to be a child, and you're like, never mind. We have to continue to grow because problems don't just go away. They grow away. If we want to keep uh, learning and we want to keep getting better, we want to move beyond our problems. If we, if we want to stop dealing with the same old, same old, same old thing, maybe we shouldn't try to run from it. Maybe we should grow. My kids are uh, they're in school, as you know, and so they do these AR points. How many of your kids do AR points? And every, every six weeks, we get to the end of the t time, and they're in a frantic pace uh, race to try to complete their AR points so they can pass. And so what ends up happening is they end up trying to read a bunch of small books. Y'all's kids do this? Some of the teenagers are like, yes, sir, did, did it last week. Thank you, Pastor Randy. So we'll read like seven books that are easy to read rather than one book that is hard to read. 
And so I've been having this conversation with my kids every six weeks, time and time again, because they're, they're, they're trying to read as fast as they can. I'm like, do you know that if you would read a harder book, you could get more points for it, but it's really not about the points. It's about learning to read more, uh, more efficiently and more effectively. Like, you are a fifth grader or an eighth grader. Well, yeah, but dad, I read at an eighth grade level. Good. But if you want to grow, you need to be reading at a ninth grade level and a 10th grade level. So if I keep reading books that were from fourth grade because I can get two points on them and I can read five books to get two points each, and that's much easier. It doesn't push me. It doesn't press me. Now I don't have to work harder, but you know what? You also don't grow. And here's what my kids don't understand at 10 years old and 13 years old is that the things you're learning now, your teacher is not trying to punish you. They are not trying to punish you. But people who can't read tend to struggle in life. People who quit learning to read, which is how we take in information, how we learn, how we process, how we grow. One of the primary ways is that we read. And I'm not talking about people who, who are dealing with... Um, um, uh, learning disorders. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who refuse to try to learn and grow and get better. One of the primary ways we do that is by reading, learning, and understanding. And so we create patterns in our life where we stop developing. If you have a learning disorder, that's a different situation. There are ways around it. And uh, if you don't believe me, I can get you in contact with some people who have learned ways around their learning disorders and have been very successful in their life and continue to learn and grow despite the fact that, the, that their, their letters were mixed up. There are ways to do it, but the principle is this. The teacher's not trying to punish you. She's trying to get you to grow. Because if you will understand this, that a ninth grade level reading or a seventh grade level reading might be hard for a time, but if you'll learn it, it then becomes easy. Then you do you remember, Kennedy, when you were in the fourth grade and reading that same book was very difficult? Now you're in the eighth grade and it's easy. Why? You grew because a teacher pushed you to grow. When you were a child, you did childish things, but when you grew older, you had to put away childish things. Our challenge in life is when there are no teachers forcing us to learn and grow. When there's no, what do they call that test? Star test that you have to take every year. When there's no SAT, when there's no six-week score, can we continue to grow or do we stop? Paul says, listen, I, I need you to keep growing. I need you to put away childish things because the problems you're facing in your life would get a whole lot easier to deal with if you would grow through them. Turn to your neighbor, look at them, and say, it's time to grow. <clears throat> four P's of, of growth. Four P's of growth. Here's the things that it's going to take in your life. Number one is this. You're going to have to have a growth plan. You have to have a plan. No plan, no growth. Number two... Number two is patience. Patience. You need patience. Growth take, growing takes time. Number three is persistence. Persistence. And we're going to talk about these more in a moment. And then number four is perseverance. I love, uh, and we'll start with, with number one, which is a plan. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus is speaking, and he says these words. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Um, in, in, in my life, I've had the 
opportunity to be a part of building a number of things. This sanctuary being one of the main things, you, you happen to be sitting in a, a lot of work that our team did in preparation, planning for you and I to be able to sit here today and be in the presence of God and learn from the Word of God. One thing that you have to start with is you have to know, can I afford the building or not? But here's the problem. This is what Jesus is, is referring to. What builder sits down and doesn't know whether or not he can afford it? Well, whatever this building costs, can we afford it? How do you know if you can afford it if you don't know what it's going to cost to build it? How do you know what it's going to cost to build if you don't have a plan? Jesus says, listen, builders don't just go out and start collecting wood and building something and then at the end of the day said, yes, that's what we were trying to build. No, they get a plan, they get a vision, they draw it out, they line it out, they determine what they need, they get a cost, and then they look at it and say, can I afford this or can I not? How do they do that? They had a plan. Do you have a plan for growth in your life? Um, this year we have a, a word, and, and I'm going uh, so I'm, I'm to get you to help me with this. Uh, I, I know that you know this, this, this service, it starts really early. This 10 o'clock service starts really early. And it's, uh, it's hard for you guys to be awake with me at times. That was sarcasm there a minute ago, just so you know. <laughs> What's our word for this year? Okay, so, so we know what we're doing. All right, let's create together a growth plan. Will you help me? Now, <laughs> some of you, come on now. Will you help me create a growth plan? Thank you. Okay. Uh, it's not trick questions. So there are different aspects of our life that we need to grow in. All right. So we'll talk about my life today. Uh, maybe I need to grow in my relationships. Um, maybe I need to grow as a pastor this year. Maybe I need to grow in uh, my physical body this year. Um, what's another area of growth I might need to grow in this year? Finances. I knew that'd be, I, I left you the easy one. Oh, what's another area of growth I might need to grow in this year? Knowledge. Okay. All right. Y'all think it'd be a good thing if I got smarter this year? Probably. All, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. So now. My word for my year is vision, right? This is my personal word. Our, our word for a church is growth. So for a vision, I have to see something. Like vision is about seeing it. Can I envision it before I go for it? So now I know that these are my five areas that need to grow. I need something to erase with. Oh, Okay, so if I want to grow in one of these areas, I need a, I need a vision. So when I look at, at, at my pastoral duties and I say, okay, but what does that look like? I, I decided this year that I need to be a better leader this year. So, so the vision for me is, I'm not just going to say, well, I'm going to grow as a pastor, but I'm specifically going to grow in the area of my leadership, right? So I've got to be a better leader leader. Um, 
What might I do if I wanted to grow in my body this year, my physical body? Careful. Okay, don't get specific. Give me a picture. What would it look like? I would be maybe more healthy. Okay, that's a specific thing. We're going to get there. Uh, I, I think that I need to be a little more muscled up. <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I've lost some weight over the last few years, uh, uh, but, uh, but I, I've also lost a lot of uh, muscle, and I'm pretty weak, and I'm embarrassed of myself, uh, Brother Willie. I need to hit the gym with you. I need to, I, my coat fits a little too loose. I need it like yours. So... <laughs> So I need, I need to get a little bit more muscled up, all right? I want to get a little bit more uh, 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 fit. Okay, what, what, what about in my finances? If I wanted to grow in my finances, what might something I would, what would that look like? Talk louder, I can't hear you. I want to be a better manager? Who said that? Okay, good one. I want to be a, I want to be a better financial manager, all right? I got, I got to manage my finances better. Uh, one of the things I want to be is I want, is I want to uh, continue. I'm almost there, um, but I want to be debt-free this year, right? We've got, a, we've got a couple more bills that we've got to pay off. Well, actually, one big one. Um, all right, let's, let's keep going here. Um, my relationships, okay? I'm talking about being a father, being a mother, things like that. You know one of the words that I want to be this year, and I've really been working on this last year too, but I'll say it to you again because it's easy for me, is the word is present, I want to be present. So when it's time to be a husband, I want to be present in the moment. When it's time to be a father, I want to be present in the moment. I don't want to be thinking about my pastoral duties when I'm supposed to be thinking about my father duties, right? I don't want to be answering the phone stressed out about work when I'm supposed to be having a moment with my kids. I don't want to be on a date with my wife and, and worried sick over my kids. I want to be present with my wife. So, so the word is I want to be more present in all of my relationships. Are you with me? All right. What about knowledge? This one wasn't on my notes. So, um, okay. So, okay. These are these are how we get there. But what would it look like? I, I would be. Uh, I need to increase in. Um, I need to be more wise. More wisdom. Right. All right. Now. So then the question from there is, now, so we're building a plan. So I know what my word is. I know the areas of my life I want it to affect. And then I know what I want it to look like. I've got a vision. The question now is, how do I do each of these? All right? So um, we're going to start right here. What's three ways I could grow in my knowledge? I could be more wise as a, this year. Who said something? Read. Okay. Y'all been listening to the sermon already. Good. Okay. Okay. What's another one? Did you say listen to Elvis? Elders. Okay. 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 <laughs> Sorry, man. I've been in Vegas all week. I'm like, Elvis, what are you? <laughs> all right. If I wanted to grow in my finances this year, I wanted to be a better manager, I wanted to be debt-free this year, what are the three things I could do? Okay, I could work my budget. Once I have a budget, what else could I do? So I could cut spending, right? 
What's something else I could do? I could invest. How about this? What if we created another stream of income? That's a sign from the Lord, like the heavens are sending down. Some of you need to create a new stream of income this year. (laughs) Yes, Lord, we got it. It's an amber alert. I've been telling you for a long time. (laughs) Okay, so if I want to increase my muscle, what's the first thing I need to do? I need to hit the gym. I don't even have a gym membership. I might need to start with there. Um, Okay, I I need to uh, eat right. Uh, let's do let's do better than that specifically if I want to build muscle one of the things I'm going to have to put in my body is going to be protein yes I know some things about being muscled up I just don't do them Uh, what's what's one more okay (laughs) somebody got really isometric I can't even spell isometric so we're not going to write that on the board all right, so we're just going to say i got to drink more water. All right? Now, <laughs> so here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus says, what builder starts out building a house or a tower and then doesn't have the money to finish it? Why doesn't a builder do that? Because a builder started with a plan. John Wooden said it like this, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Start with a plan. Now, I know this looks like a chaotic mess at the moment, but think about it in your life. What are the areas of your life you want to grow in? Do you have a plan for growth? You see, it's very hard to wake up every day and say, what can I do to grow today? It's unrealistic because How how many, you know, moms, the moment you wake up, your kids are knocking on your door demanding food and water and money and whatever else they're demanding. You don't have time to stop and come up with a plan every single day on what I'm going to do to grow. But, but if we, so if we don't have a plan, we're not going to grow, but I don't have time to get a plan every day. But what if I started my year off and I developed a plan for growth this year? Doesn't mean you can never add to it. Doesn't mean you can't check things off the list and accomplish things. For instance, I I want to, uh, as I said, um, uh, you know, we want to get get our budget done. So if if we finish a budget, you've heard me say in the past, one of the things I love to do is check something off of the list. So I've got a budget and I've done that this year. What happened if I went to the gym? I started eating my protein, I drank the water I was supposed to drink, and suddenly I got to the place I want to be. I am not trying to be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold. I'm not trying to be him. So for me to accomplish this goal in my life is very doable. It probably wouldn't even take me the whole year if I would focus on it. What if I got to the place and I was able to check that off the list? But if I don't have a plan, I'll end up floundering around and I won't get anywhere. Pastor Renner, that's a lot to accomplish in a year. Sure it is, but if you don't have a plan, how much will you get to? But what if I don't get to everything at the end of the year? So be it. January is coming. You can start fresh again. 
Do you have a plan? When you leave today, our ushers are going to give you a card. It looks just like this. It's basically everything I just wrote on the board. You don't have to use it. It's just the way my brain works. I know that it looks like a chaotic mess, but it's how my brain works. If your brain works a different way, come up with a different plan. The point is not to do the plan the way I do it. The point is to come up with a plan on your own for growth this year. If you want to grow, how are you going to do it? What is your plan? Don't get to the end of the year and say, Jesus, I just couldn't afford it. Why couldn't you afford it? Well, because I bit off more than I could, more than I could chew. I didn't know what I was doing. Number two is it takes patience takes patience. James chapter 5 verse 7 through 8, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring, and they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. What's the point here? Obviously, he's talking about the return of Jesus, but he's giving us a bigger picture principle, and that is that growth takes time. You must be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. My question to you is this, can you maintain your commitment over time? When things delay, when things don't happen quickly, when you walk out in the morning and you look at your garden and nothing has sprung up, can you continue to wait patiently? Or do you throw up your hands and you say, this isn't working, I give up? One of the ways, if I could challenge you to do this to help you in your patience, is uh, some of the things on your list might be easier than others. Additionally, as you go through the year, God may add to your plan. He, new things may come up. So the first thing that we want to look at is what we call low-hanging fruit. Okay? Low-hanging fruit. What does that mean? Look in your life right now and say, what can I accomplish this week? Because some things are going to take a long time to do. Some things are going to take a while to grow. But there are some things you could do this week, this month, and you could notice an immediate change in your life. So to help you with your patience, make sure you are continually looking for what is the low-hanging fruit. The picture is if you're going to pick fruit out of a tree, if you're going to pick apples or oranges, you don't start with the ones that are at the top. You start with the ones that are easiest to grab the low-hanging fruit. You pull the low-hanging fruit and you're able to eat that first. In your life, where are the areas of low-hanging fruit? I didn't finish off my deal here. Y'all just let me keep on going. Where's the areas of low-hanging fruit that you could work on? Because they're in your life, but where are they? Patience. Patience. You must be patient. Guys, I'm going to get y'all, if you would help me to, uh, to pull this board down. We're going to keep, keep going here. Um, yeah, there we go. Not everybody at once. Here's the thing I, I want to encourage you with. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so if you say, Pastor Ren, I'm struggling with patience in my life. Don't just look for low-hanging fruit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Say, Lord, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of them is patience. Number three, you need persistence. 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 Can you keep going when your routines are boring? It's not that working out is so difficult. It's that the routine is boring and dull and I don't want to do it anymore. It's more fun to do other things. Do you have tenacity? Can you move beyond discouragement? 
Um, are you constantly repeating your routines? Uh, or are your routines wrong? One of the things that I've learned in studying elite level, elite level athletes is, and even as we're coaching young kids, one of the things that, that separates uh, good from great athletes is their ability to repeat emotion. So if, whether you're swinging a bat, a tennis racket, uh, shooting a basketball, throwing a football, whatever it might be, if your motion is changing every single time, it's difficult to repeat and therefore difficult to master. But elite level athletes repeat the motion time and time and time and time and time again. You talk about and Tiger Woods when he was the greatest golfer on the planet. They talked about how many thousands of golf balls he hit every single day. Why? He was learning to repeat the motion time and time and time again. But oftentimes in our lives, we don't spend enough time learning to repeat motions or learning to repeat the routines that get us to where we want to go. And sometimes our routines are wrong. Sometimes it's not that you don't repeat them, because how many of you noticed that the things that come naturally are often wrong, but they're the easiest to repeat? But if you want to get better, you have to change your routines. You see, here's the truth. Better routines will lead you to a better life. If you were to help your routines, if you were to um, in, uh, make your routines better, you would have a better life, but bad routines lead to a bad life. Here's another thing for you is that our personal discretions reflect our personal culture. The things we allow to happen in our lives and around us, the things we, because we don't fix our routine at our discretion, we allow it to stay there and it becomes a personal culture. One of the things that I'm struggling with right now is, uh, you know, every, it seems like every day one of my kids gets in my truck and they're covered in dirt from, from a ball field or a football or something, they're covered in dirt. And so naturally, when they sit in my truck, the dirt goes all over my truck. So if you go outside right now, I look at my truck, and it, you can look at my truck. It's a white truck. It doesn't look white. It is covered in dirt inside and out. What's happened? I have allowed it to stay dirty because it's easier to just say, well, I'm going to leave it dirty because my kids are going to get it dirty anyway. And I live on a ranch and every time you pull in, you're going to go through a puddle of mud and you're going to get the outside dirty anyway than to clean it. And so I have allowed my truck, my personal culture to be dirty. And I got in my truck the other day and I had to pick someone up and they were a uh, you know, high level leader in our area. And I wasn't supposed to have to pick them up in my truck. My truck is dirty. But suddenly I did. I was so embarrassed of my own truck. Now, I'd like to blame that on my kids, but it's not my kids' fault. It's my fault because I've allowed that to happen. I've allowed that to become my personal culture. So this year, I've got to keep my truck clean. I didn't like the feeling of being embarrassed when, when this guy got in in his full-blown suit and he's sitting and dirt that just came off the bottom of a cleat off of a softball field in Liberty, Texas. Right? How many of your personal routines have you allowed to stay and therefore become a culture that if somebody walked into your life, if you invited me into your life, you would immediately start making excuses for why the way it is the way it is? No amens on that one. I'm just talking about me right now in my truck, but 
It becomes a personal culture. And then all of a sudden, someone sees it, and it becomes very visible. What we have been ignoring becomes very visible to us. Number four, we need um, perseverance. Perseverance is not so much about patience and persistence, but it's about overcoming obstacles. Perseverance is steady in the course of in a course of action, a purpose or a state, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. Philippians three chapter uh, Philippians chapter three verse twelve and sixteen through sixteen. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection. How many of you are perfect already? <laughs> a couple of you. Okay, so this is not for you. For the rest of us, this is, this is for us. I'm not already there, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. There is perfection that Christ wants for you. Keep going, verse 13. Nor dear, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focused on this one thing. What do I do? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead Verse four, uh, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I forget the mistakes, I forget the mess-ups, I forget the things that went well and the things that didn't go well, and I, and I persist and I persevere and I keep pushing through. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you're spiritually mature, you understand that in your process to get from where you were to where you are, how many of you can say, I made a few mistakes? There were a couple of stumbles along the way, but I have to push those behind me. I know I can't let them hold on to me, get their teeth in me, get their grit into me, or I'll stop moving forward. So I forget what lies behind and I push on. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. For those that think that, well, uh, you know, you didn't agree that we've made some mistakes, (laughs) just hang in there. God's going to make it plain to you. Verse 16, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. You have made progress in your life. But will you persevere to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing? Don't lose the progress you've made. Can you push through when things are tough? Can you keep going despite disappointment? Can you battle on despite defeat? Can you keep getting up off the mat when life knocks you down? Can you press on to be what God has called you to be? In the Old Testament, there was a judge a leader, a man of incredible strength and ability. His name was Samson. And his strength came from his hair. He had taken a vow and said as long as he didn't cut his hair, God would give him incredible strength. And he went through life and he was defeating the the Philistines and defeating the Philistines and and killing ten here and hundreds there. And he was defeating the Philistines and he had them running scared. But one day, he got caught up in the wrong routine. He got caught up with a prostitute whose sole purpose was to steal the secret of his strength. And so she tried, and he would lie to her, and the Philistines would come in, and he would defeat them because he hadn't told her the the true secret of his strength. And this happened several times before finally he gave in, and he said, if you'll cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. So sure enough, while he slept, she cut his hair off. The Philistines came in. He didn't realize that his hair was cut off, and he went to fight them like he always had, but this time he lost. He found himself thrown into slavery, thrown into bondage, in a place of defeat, in a place of humiliation. 
But here's what the Bible says in the book of Judges. Chapter 16, verse 22. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistines thought they had knocked him down for good. But Samson got his heart right before God and his hair began to grow. He said, I may have messed up, but my hair is growing again and my strength is returning. They had plucked out his eyes. They put him before them and there were 3,000 men and women gathered around him in this coliseum. They had brought him out to laugh at him and mock him and to make amusement of him. And he told the boy that was leading him, he said, put my hands on the columns. And suddenly, he began to push, and he pushed the columns supporting the entire complex, the entire Colosseum. He pushed them to part. The Colosseum came crashing down, and the Bible says that in that moment, he killed 3,000 of his enemies, and he accomplished more in that moment than he had in his entire life up to that day. I, w- I want to leave you with this word, Pastor Anna. I've made some mistakes. I've messed up. It didn't work before. I tried. It didn't happen. I tried to grow and I couldn't get there. I've tried to move my life forward, but nothing ever changed. But your hair is growing back. The source of your strength, your walk with God. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to encourage you that this year, despite what may have happened before, God's giving you strength back. You're going to grow. You're going to grow again. Don't let the past mistakes, past problems get you down. This year, you're growing. I want to pray over you this year. And I I want to pray over you that you would get a plan, that you would have patience, that you would have um, persistence, and that you would have perseverance. And this year, the things that God has put in you, you'll begin to see to happen because you're growing and it starts today. Father, I thank you for your word that you've spoken to us. I thank you for helping, helping me, oh God. You've given me a plan for this year. You're, you're giving us a plan that this year, it's not just going to become words, but Father, it's going to be real. It's something we can see. It's something we can latch our faith to. It's something that we can do every day. Lord, you've said this is a year for us to grow, so that's what we're going to do. And Father, we're going to put behind us everything that may have gotten us to this point or everything that may have kept us at this point. Father, our mistakes that kept us from growing, our failed attempts at growth, Father, we're putting them behind us. And this year, we are growing again. Father, I'm declaring right now that the source of our strength is being renewed, just like Samson when his hair grew back. For Father, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. This is our year. We silence the voice of the enemy that's saying we cannot do it. We'll never make it, Father. This year we do. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.